Good morning. It's time to talk about Sack City Podcast, which is now sponsored by Manscaped. The best thing for your sack since sliced? Well, sacks. Keep your sack smooth with the new Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer for those bushy sacks, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant for those smelly sacks, and take care of those extra sacks with the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. Not to mention some performance boxer briefs and a travel sack to put your goodies in. Manscaped is a sack leader with over 6 million worldwide who trust this product. That's roughly 12 million sacks. So join them with this exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com. That's promo code SACCITY at manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Order your sack saver now and show your sack the love it deserves. Manscaped. Got Bush? City. Welcome into another episode of the Sac City Podcast. I'm your host, the one and only Vinny Milani, joined as always by my best friend in the whole entire world. He is Aaron the Muxia Mukes. And I put an emphasis on the Muxia part because last night it was quite possibly the picture perfect game for one Aaron Mukes because not only did he predict the Buffalo Bills to win, but he predicted an absolute ass whooping from the Bills onto the Los Angeles Rams. And although the game uh, was 17 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter, it really didn't seem like it was close. But enough of me talking about it. Aaron, without further ado, let's get in to our Buffalo Bills, Los Angeles Rams week one Thursday night football highlight. Yeah, it started early in this one, defending Super Bowl champs, taking on the Super Bowl favorites, and I told you about this guy in the offseason, Gabriel Davis, catching the pass there on the play action from Josh Allen, and then it was a former Ram making his impact early. It was Vaughn Miller. He torched them all night long. Big reason why the Bills won this game. Aaron Donald didn't miss out on his turn either. Probably one of the few highlights for him of the day when they didn't double-team him. He would make an impact there. Aaron Donald gets the sack. But in the second half, the Buffalo Bills would get the running game going. And that's really what this game was about to me. 121 yards on the ground. Started with Devin Singletary, Zach Moss got on the action. And then, of course, the most dangerous man in the red zone in the NFL is Josh Allen, showing the athleticism. Allen was all over the place in this one. And then the dagger here, late in the fourth quarter, it's Josh Allen, and he finds arguably the best wide receiver in football. I know we're going to have this debate coming up in Stephon Diggs and the Rams. Go and fall short, as I stated, 31 to 10. And if you want to call that fall short, um, feel free. But uh, the Buffalo Bills put an ass whooping on the Los Angeles Rams. That they did. And yeah, Stephon Diggs finished eight receptions on 122 yards and a tutty. Josh Allen in this game, he dominated as well, going 26 of 31, 297 yards through the air, three touchdowns. 
one interception. And then to add a, to top it off, his rushing game was sick to two, uh, 10 carries, 56 yards, and a tutty on the ground. It was an absolute dominating performance from the Bills. What stood I, – I, I was going to ask you what stood out the most from the Bills, so but much. really it was everything. It, it, it was everything. Everything was great. But the first thing I want to talk about with the Bills, and it, it might be more fantasy talk, Zach Moss. In this game, he had a lot more touches than I I expected. Zach Moss touched the ball. He had six carries on the ground. He had six uh, catches as well. So tw- 12 total touches for Zach Moss in this game. He was productive with his touches as well, I'd say. Um, what do you think about the – what do you make, I should say, of the Rams' backfield right now? Uh, you mean the Bills' backfield? Uh, Bills, sorry. Yes, Bills. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much to be made. I think everybody made a big deal about last year and what happened with Zach Moss. He was inactive. Um, he had some things going on in his personal life. He had some injuries. They, they pointed those injuries out a number of times on the telecast. And then you think about it, the year before when he was a rookie, he had a really good year So I, I, as far as being a rookie and being productive. So I think he looked fresh. I think he looked healthy. And I think this goes to show people we have to stop with the rookie hype so much. Everybody, and, and, and again, the fantasy conversation of, Everybody who drafted Bill's running backs, James Cook was the first one taken. Sometimes over Devin Singletary. I'm telling you right now, Devin Singletary is the lead back in that Buffalo Bills, uh, on the Buffalo Bills this season. Lead back, he will see the most touches, he will see the most carries, but Zach Moss is going to be that second guy until he shows that he can't be. Now, again, he fumbled as well, but Cook fumbled early in the game when it really mattered. Um, that was a big deal. But I, I just, I think we have to stop hyping up the rookies so much because they have a good preseason or they they're supposed to be taken over. Like we gotta, we gotta stop doing that. Yeah. The the narrative for again, it's the Brian Robinson argument for me with Antonio Gibson. It's the Romeo Dobbs argument. Like this week, I'm interested to see about that. We have, we just got to pump the brakes a little bit and let these rookies come in and find their footing. And then when you watch them play, decide whether they're really going to have that impact or not. Yeah, the narrative I feel like is is there so much with like in the offseason when you talk about James Cook and it's like, okay, he was a great pass catching back at Georgia. Um, he doesn't have like an insane amount of mileage on him. So you think the usage could be there um, as well. And I mean, it was the narrative is hopefully there for James Cook, but patience is is uh, something that everyone is going to have to have with all rookie running backs. Uh, the Bills went 9 of 10 on first down. That is a recipe for success if you want to be the defending Super Third Bowl down. champions. Uh, third down, sorry. Third down conversion, nine of 10. Um, and I think the most notable thing with the Bills that we have to talk about is the impact of Von Miller. The Bills as a team had seven sacks, the most allowed sacks under a Sean McVay Rams team. How much, <laughs> what did you think of Von Miller's impact last night? I thought he played dominant like he played when he was with Denver and then like he played towards the end of last season. And I was the first to say, I didn't love the signing for the Rams last year and it worked out. And then they go pay him big money in Buffalo and it seems to already be paying dividends. But I don't think we can just gloss over the fact that I I, I put out a video today, obviously with my, my glory, my victory lap about, I've been calling it all off season. This was going to be a blowout. But in that, in that was the episode we talked about, which was power rankings. And I said in that exact episode, I said, I don't think people are talking about the losses on the Rams like they should be, which is starts at the offensive line. And their offensive line was terrible. I mean, yes, Von Miller made an impact, but you saw guys getting, uh, you know, two, three sacks that hadn't even had five all of last year. So I think that's 
to me, the more glaring issue is when you get guys that are making plays, not just a Von Miller, but you also have uh, Gregory Rousseau, Gregory Rousseau, who got a, who got a sack and uh, another couple Jordan Phillips got a sack and a half. Like those players that aren't used to doing it are now coming in on the action. And, and it does again, uh, Basham had the sack. It, it's, Yes, Buffalo's defense great, but we have to be concerned about the Rams' offensive line, not only because of the sacks, but also because of that running game. I think the I, I, we talk about it all the time with, even especially with Aaron Donald last year in the Super Bowl, uh, how even if the the player like Von Miller isn't getting sacks in this game, he actually did. Even if he's not getting sacks, he could still make an impact on that uh, on that pass rush where you're getting double teamed. And you're taking the attention away from the guys like Gregory Russo, who ended up getting a sack. Uh, it, it's been huge for them. Uh, on the Rams side of things, Matthew Stafford after the game was obviously disappointed, but did not have any fears uh, moving forward with the, with his team. The one thing that gives me, um, you know, a, a good feeling is knowing the guys in that locker room and knowing how we're gonna, you know, all band together, look at each other, look inward first, and go, hey, what can I do to be better for the guy next to me? Um, that starts with our head coach. He's he's always preaching that to us, and and um, you know that's real stuff for us as players. That's how we we act, and um, you know we believe in that in that locker room. Man, my computer is skipping like crazy. But uh, obviously, Matthew Stafford after the game very disappointed. But do you think that what what do you think the problem is with the Rams? Like, what is the the big problem that you're going to be able like you saw in this game that you're going to take? into games uh, of the future they should everybody should have just listened to me everything i and everything i said came to fruition offensive line did not play well i told you i had concerns about Allen robinson's explosiveness on the outside they lose an odell they don't have van jefferson in there matt stafford has tunnel vision for cooper cup and it won them a super bowl and i am not here to knock that connection that is great but the reason he threw so many interceptions and led the league in interceptions last year is because he has tunnel vision for Cooper Cup. And it's great. He had 13 catches and, and had a big run at the end to make him have all those yards. But early in the game, it was a lot of Dinkin and Duncan. They weren't letting them get over the top because they had no explosive playmakers. Very, very disappointed in Allen Robinson. The, or Matt Stafford for, him, for not going to him more. It cannot be this offense. This offense will not go back and repeat. This offense cannot be the same as it was last year down the stretch. People will allow Cooper Cup to catch five and six yard passes. And at the end of the day, Cooper Cup, maybe he does go for another 18, 1900 yards because teams are going to say, go ahead, catch 12 balls for 86 yards and a touchdown and nobody else does anything and you won't win. So there has to be concern for the Rams. I I know it's only one game, but the way that Matt Stafford has had tunnel vision for Cooper Cup over since Odell got hurt in that Super Bowl, it alarms me. He has to go to other guys. Somebody else has to step up. And I, I don't know what else to say. It's not a knock on Cooper Cup. It's just you can't just catch 13 balls, six yards a catch, whatever, and get a touchdown and expect to beat a good team like the Buffalo Bills. They didn't allow any explosive plays. And that's what Buffalo does. They suffocate you and force you into mistakes because they're not going to give up an 80-yard bomb. They're going to force you to go 80 yards and bet that you're going to make a mistake before one of their defenders do. And that's exactly what happened last night. And the last point I'll make on this game, this was an absolute – ass kicking. And I will say that again. I know it was only 17-10. Buffalo had four turnovers, four turnovers, three like early in the game. And it was a 10-10 game. And you tell me an NFL team that four has four turnovers 
and, and wins games. Like they created turnovers on their own end, but they lost that turnover battle early and they still looked like the better team from start to finish. Yeah, they, they did. And I, I'm glad you brought up the Cooper cup point. I was, I was talking yesterday with, with some guys about how Cooper cup, like how it's with, Obviously, the Bills' defense is great. Like, they have a, arguably one of the best defenses, if not the best defense in the NFL. And I think that this game, sure, is like, okay, like, chalk it up to losing to a great team. But this Rams team we talked about, it's not about it's not about what the regular season means for, the, for them. It's about what they do in the playoffs. And these are the type of teams you're going to be playing in the playoffs. So these games do matter and are a telling sign moving forward i do want to give our little player of the game here for this matchup to obviously josh allen with 353 total yards four tutties uh a qbr rating of un- unreal 89 um almost not borderline 90 a uh, 90 qbr and uh that vicious absolute vicious stiff arm uh that he had early on in you the game the josh allen there, what you took the low-hanging what? fruit there i thought you were gonna go von miller I did go the low hanging fruit then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I would have gone Vaughn Miller. I'll be honest. Um, I thought Josh Allen played good, but that's not even the best Josh Allen. That's so scary. That's what I thought he played good. Obviously a couple of those interceptions were not his fault or interception was not his fault, but he was late on a throw. Um, I, 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 he missed a guy a couple of times, but not obviously he played excellent. Um, but yeah, I thought you were going to go Von Miller. I thought the impact that Von Miller had, the fact that you talked about the pass rush needing to step up this year um, even more than last year, and that was going to be the key. I thought Von Miller was the pick. But you know what? Josh Allen's a great pick. I've let you down. I, no, I, I've let you down. The week week one, and I'm already letting you down, and it isn't even <laughs> it is even noon yet on a Friday that, that we haven't even gotten into. But um, yeah, so the Bills obviously defeat the Rams 31-10. to 10. This is next week's going to be huge for the Rams to have a bounce back game and the bills will hopefully continue rolling. Let's get into our morning. We've got, we've got a great show ahead of us guys. This is we've got, I didn't even mention what we're talking about later. We are previewing uh, more, the rest of our week one slate. If you missed yesterday's show, do go check it out on our YouTube page at Sac city pod to hear the first half of our week one previews today. We will be completing that, giving you our predictions and diving in to the great matchups that we will see. Without further ado, let's get into our morning headlines. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. We're rolling this morning. Saints signed center Eric Murray to a five-year, $63.75 million extension. Another offensive lineman getting signed. The Rams signed offensive tackle Rob Havenstein to a – Steen? Is it Stein or Steen? I don't know whichever one it is. Rob Havenstein to a three-year, $34.5 million extension. That includes $24 million uh, guaranteed, making him the sixth highest paid right tackle in the NFL at the age of 30. And the Rams still made news before the game announcing extensions for head coach Sean McVay and GM Les Snead. The Rams taking care of their own all day long, except for on the field after getting stomped by the Bills. It's injury report time. That's right. It's time for your injury report. We got a lot of names on this list, Vinny. Some good, some bad, some irrelevant. 
Uh, Rondell Moore for the Cardinals. Sorry. (laughs) I love Uh, it. (laughs) Cardinals Rondell Moore injured his hamstring in Thursday's practice and is going to have an MRI to determine the severity. I told you he might be uh, banged up already, and then you go have that happen. Now you might be down Zach Ertz or um, Rondell Moore, and that could be some opportunities for other guys. George Kittle, unlikely to play in week one after missing another practice Thursday. Uh, growing injury, that's not a good way to start for Trey Lance, losing one of his best weapons. Obviously, George Kittle, one of the better tight ends in football. Ken Walker, we talked about him. He had the hernia injury. He's likely to miss Sunday. We kind of expected that. Dak Prescott, I don't know why this is on there. He wore a different shoe. It irritated his ankle. He's fine. He just didn't practice on Thursday. Uh, or he, he just I'm, limited I'm just practice on Thursday. Uh, I'm just noting fine. the news here, buddy. Yeah, he's fine. I just do think he threw that in there because he was a cowboy. Uh, Christian McCaffrey hits the injury report due to a shin issue. Um, again, I think people like to just put Christian McCaffrey on the injury report. So it's something to talk about. I think he's fine. Um, Packers, Matt LaFleur, good signs there. David Bakhtiari and Elgin, Elgin Jenkins did team drills on Thursday. It's important for them to get those two back, two key parts of their team. Uh, Robert Sala and the Jets says Dwayne Brown is being evaluated for a shoulder injury. Not good there. The fact that he just came over there. Uh... <sighs> Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas has a hamstring. He's trending in the right direction. But if he does not play week one, I am going at all you <laughs> Michael Thomas stands because it starts in week one. He's had two and a half years off of football and you're not ready for week one. It, it's it's sad, sad. Um, Deontay Johnson's shoulder was limited, but we talked about that injury was the last preseason game. I think he'll be okay to play. Um, and Alan Lazar did not practice again Thursday with an ankle injury. That could be something to watch for the Packers as well. Uh, we mentioned Romeo Dobbs. Christian Watson is looking like he's going to play. How much? Sammy, Sammy Watkins still on the roster. I don't even know if he made the roster. He's still alive? So yeah. Uh, but obviously they're going to have to look for somebody to catch some targets there. Uh, shout out Aaron Jones because that's probably going to be their leading receiver. As I said in the offseason. There you go. There you have that's it. Our injury, injury our injury report. Our uh, morning headlines. Boom, bang, boom. We are rolling this morning hot and heavy. After this commercial break, we are going to be bringing you the rest of our week one predictions and previews this season preview is brought to you by manscapes brand new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner this luxurious lather cleanses and nourishes in just one step using coconut water green tea and aloe this non-greasy daily formula is naturally hydrating and rich in antioxidants to revitalize the look and feel of your hair so head on over to manscaped.com and use the promo code sac city for 20 percent off and free worldwide shipping The new ultra premium two-in-one shampoo and conditioner from Manscaped. Take care of hair everywhere. We kick things off with a division rival, a heated division rival between the Pittsburgh Steelers traveling to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals. The Bengals have won three straight games against the Steelers for the first time since 1988 uh, when they won six straight. Maybe they can continue this week. Last year, it was a very good year for the steel or for the Bengals in terms of rushing against the Steelers Mick Joe Mixon averaged 127 yards per game in those two games against the Steelers last year Aaron what do you think about the steel the Steelers defensive line and the linebacking group get better enough this offseason to say okay we're not going to allow Joe Mixon to run all over us this year they better 
I mean, that they not only Joe Mixon, they were the worst in the league in rush yards per game. Like they were the worst run defense in the NFL. And that is not the Steeler way. That is not a Mike Tomlin defense. We have been known for the, the centuries of our, the years of Pittsburgh Steeler football to be physical, to be tough, and to stop the run and run the football. And I think we went away from that um, this past season, and I think they have to get back. It does help when you got, get guys like Devin Bush now a year removed from, from that injury back in the fold. Um, so I, I think they get better, but there has to be significant improvement. It's not just to improve. They were 32nd, which means they were last. They have to be significantly better, especially with an offense that we're unsure about them at the quarterback position. So I do think they're better. I don't think they finished last this year. I think uh, Mike Tomlin has too much pride. I think that team has too much talent on the defensive side of the football to finish last again. But it, uh, Cincinnati has an amazing offense. Now they go get an additional offensive line help. Uh, Joe Mixon's a really good running back. They have weapons on the outside. It's going to be tough to stop that offense, whether it's in the passing game, in the running game, or wherever. So I think they still struggle in this one. But I think over the course of the season, Pittsburgh should be better um, in the long run. Joe Mixon should still have a good day. You brought up all of the all the 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 changes that went uh, on in Cincinnati. Obviously, improving that offensive line was quite possibly the biggest offseason move for any team as a whole. Um, improving that and protecting Joe Burrow, but there's been a lot of changes. I feel like on both sides the uh, both sides of the ball, whether it's the Bengals and the Steelers, what will be the most notable difference though we see from these two teams on the field? Oh, I think it has to be the offensive line play of, of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, you, when you have Joe Burrow back there who coming off a torn ACL a few years ago, your job is to protect your franchise quarterback. And they went out and did exactly what Kansas City did the year before, which was go address that offensive line, making that the number one priority of that team. And at the end of the day, we said this a number of times, football is one in the trenches. And I know I harp on this a lot. You can have all the weapons you want on the outside. If you cannot block and you cannot stop the run, you will not be successful in this league. Look at what happened in the Super Bowl when the Rams pass rush got going in the second half. The Rams ended up winning the game. Cincinnati had some games where they were giving up nine, ten sacks and still winning, finding ways to win games. But ultimately, that comes back to bite you in the ass. And I think it did in that Super Bowl, especially in that second half. They made a priority of that offensive line. I think this is the number one factor, even more so than this guy right here in the defensive back play. That defensive line, that offensive line has to be stout in order for a team to go and win a Super Bowl. And it could be, it doesn't have to be consistently stout throughout the year, but when it matters most for a team like Cincinnati, that's probably going to be in the playoff hunt, probably going to be fighting for a division. When it matters most, you better get quality play from that offensive defensive line. Now the Steelers are starting a new quarterback in Mitch Trubisky. They went with the veteran instead of uh, going with Kenny Pickett. What do you? I'm, I'm I'm dropping it for you. What do you think the uh, the Mitch Trubisky stat line looks like in Week One? Uh, Mitch will go like 18 of 25, 18 of 26 for 214 yards, and I'll say I'll say he gets two touchdowns and throws an, a pick, two touchdowns and a pick, and he'll run for like another 20 or 30 on the ground. Like he's he's mobile. Um, he won't play bad, but he won't be stellar. I don't think. I think Cincinnati's okay. defense is too good. I, I I do I do as well. That's why I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals here. Twenty eight seventeen over the Steelers in Week One. What about you? I am taking. I'm taking the Bengals as well. I know you Bengals fans think I don't like it because of Eli Apple and all that stuff, but uh, I'm taking the Bengals as well, and I think the Bengals win twenty eight to seventeen. 
I am scrolling to see AJ and Dylan's picks. Uh, AJ Dylan sent an has, image, so so you could you Dil- be able to find Dylan it. has the Bengals over the Steelers, and AJ has the Bengals over the Steelers 24-21. Our next game on the slate is the New England Patriots traveling to Miami to take on the Dolphins. Last season, the, the Dolphins swept the Patriots. Uh, the third straight season, these uh, restart here. Dolphins Patriots Patriots got swept by the Dolphins last year for the first time since 2000 only four teams have ever swept a Bill Belichick team uh, including the Dolphins in 2000 the Bills in 2000 or the Jets in 2000 and the Bills in 2020 Um, it's always hard though whenever New England travels to Miami like that is the storyline I feel like that that that's most talked about right now Bill Belichick just cannot win in Miami, he's nine and thirteen on the road. There, lost seven of their last nine trips. What is it? Like, what is like? I know we, you you laugh at the mental talk or like and all that, but what actually is the problem with teams traveling to Miami, especially a team like the Patriots? It's anybody when you travel on the road to a team that's not terrible. Like, I, I get we want to. We want to make this more than it is, but it is a big deal. They don't beat them on the road, but that's a division rival. I mean, you could probably go look at some other teams, how the Niners own the Rams, or like this is a division game, regardless of how good or bad these rosters are. Uh, it's a division game on the road in the middle of summer, still damn near. I mean, we're, we're just ending summer. It's hot. Let me tell you something. It's hot and humid and muggy. And these guys are coming from New England and don't want to be down there. Um, yeah, it's it's a problem. It's not, I don't want to attribute it to Bill Belichick or, well, coaching so or the, the, anything the best like thing that. Though, so, so, so against the division rivals for Bill Belichick, the Bills nineteen and three when traveling to to Buffalo, seventeen and five when traveling to the Jets. So, yeah, like, it's I, a drastic difference. Yeah, that Miami's Miami's a tough place to play, and it's yeah. it, again, it is a division opponent. But let's also be honest: Miami's roster has not been terrible. The, the Jets and the Bills at times had terrible rosters, like yeah. bad rosters. And and again, the Jets have, what, what five times at their home field against the Patriots, against Belichick? And yeah, we five, probably yep. can attribute those five times to when Rex Ryan was there, when they were going to NFC, AFC Championship games and that stuff. So that all comes into play. Miami's not an easy place to play. Kansas City, Seattle, Green Bay, New England. Like, there's tough places to play, and it's not anything to do with whether you can coach or you can't coach or – or the matchup at the time, because over the course of, what you say, 9 and 13, that's 22 games. That's 11 years. It's 11 years, or, you know, or actually, no, I'm sorry, that's 22 years if you're talking about just road games. That's 22 years of Belichick coaching. How many different players, different situations have been in that, in that locker room? And that includes the GOAT, Tom Brady, and different teams. So I just think it's one of those matchups where Miami gets up for it. Usually it's early or late in the season. There's been times where the Patriots are playing for nothing late in the season and they lose to Miami. And then you get early in the season where the Patriots struggle out of the gate and they lose to Miami. Um, I would argue during the Belichick era, era, if you played Miami and New England in Miami in October or November, the Patriots would have won more than enough games. I truly believe that. now we're playing games here. Now, now we're playing games. Now we're playing. I'm dead serious games. because again, no, I the, get it. I the, get it. The situation of playing the first game of the year or the last game of the year, like they often do, is a difference, and it, and it matters. New England's known to be a slow starter. 
over the course of the Brady era, at least, they've been known to start slow, going two and two and three and three. And then on the back end, a lot of times they had already locked up their position and they didn't play starters the entire game at the end. So we're not accounting for every factor. I'm just saying I think there would be a lot more. If we dove into that, I think there'd be a lot more wins on the New England side um, had this game be played just in the middle of the season when it mattered. Okay. So maybe you can do some of your research at your job and figure that out. Yeah, no, that's why we 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 pay people that. That's, that's yeah. How many times have have they played the fr- like first two games or last two games of the season? You should you should you should pay somebody to do that. I well I I do know that this is the third straight season that these teams match up in week one. That's that's there you, the, that's a that's stat three of, that's three of twenty two. Like already, three, there you go. Okay, all right, there you go, there you go. All right, let's get in. Let's go more into this game and talk about some players here. Uh, obviously, a big addition to the Miami Dolphins team uh, was Tyreek Hill bringing him a uh, giving to a tongue of a a big time weapon. Do you think that we will see the, those two guys get off to a hot start or do you think it'll take some time for Tua and Tyreek Hill to get that rhythm? Did, did, did you watch the preseason game where the first play of the game, he just went 60 yards and said, okay, that's enough. I got my, I got my rhythm. It's not hard to get Tyreek Hill the ball. That's the thing. It's really not hard to get him the ball. He's a, He's a guy that once you put the ball in his hands, he's going to make big plays. They got two of those guys on their team. I think it's going to be come out of the game. I told you this might be one of the more scary offenses in football uh, this year. I really believe that the weapons that they have um, with, you know, Cedric Wilson and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I think are up there with arguably some of the best in, in football from a talent perspective. Now it's just about two of getting those guys the football and, and making that come to fruition. So I, I think I think they'll hit the ground running. I think they have a point to prove, and I think Tua has, is playing with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I expect big things from this Dolphins offense this year. Okay. On the other side is your boy, Mac Jones, and you have been known to – you've been known to talk about Mac Jones. I'll just put it that way. You've been known to talk about Mac Jones and have some negative thoughts towards him. This season is uh, almost like a prove-it year for Mac Jones to see if he can actually be – the guy in new England to get them over, not get them over the hump, but like to be a difference maker. This is the year to, for Mac Jones to prove if he can be a difference maker for this team or not. What are you hoping to see from him early on in the season? And particularly in this game from him, nothing. Yeah. I think Mac Jones is what he is. Um, I think Mac Jones is the quarterback that can be uh you put him in and he's not going to kill you oftentimes, but he's not going to go out and win you games either. I don't think he has that high ceiling um, that people seem to think he has. Yeah. He's accurate with the football. Um, one of the more accurate quarterbacks in football, but I think his, his statuesque um, ability is not, does not play well in today's NFL. And everybody wants to talk about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. Those guys are on a different level. They played in an NFL where that type of quarterback was successful and transitioned to an NFL as it was transitioning to the mobile quarterback, but already knew so much about defenses that he picked you apart. Defenses have changed. Uh, Mac Jones is still trying to learn that and he doesn't have the time to, to learn that and learn how to be mobile or move in the pocket. Like I, I just think it's, he's at a disadvantage from a superstar perspective. Now, if people want to get on me, cause I said, he's going to be a backup in the draft. Sure. Maybe I'm, I'm wrong. Okay. Like I, I do believe he can play football, but to, to tell me that that's the future, that that's the guy that's going to go take you and be the next Tom Brady or close to it or try to win Super Bowls, I don't buy it. I don't think that he has that in him. I think he's more Jimmy Garoppolo-esque with better accuracy 
then he is, you know, one of the superstar quarterbacks in this league. And I think that's a disappointment when you draft a first round quarterback. I think you can find Jimmy Garoppolo's late. I feel like you can find those guys later in the draft. Shout out Bailey Zappi. Put that man in and let him cook. You're the, you're, let Bailey Zappi cook. That's the, that's <laughs> it's the, really that's up to Belichick and how they want to run that offense. Are they going to let him yeah. unleash and show it? Or are they going to be scared and just hand the ball off as many times as they did last year and let Mac Jones throw 22 touchdowns and 13 picks? So I'm assuming I'm assuming this is an easy answer. Which 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 quarterback has the better day on uh, Sunday? What is oh, it, Tua or Mac Tua. Jones? Tua for a number of reasons. Number one, um, matchup. I I think the Dolphins secondary is better than the Patriots. I think the Dolphins defense is better than the Patriots. Um, so I'll, I'll take Tua in that one. I think it's pretty easy. Okay. What, what do you got for a score? I'll take Miami in this one, and I don't think it's I don't think it's a blowout because it's a division game, but I don't think it's close either. Uh, I think Miami's offense scores a lot of points. I would take Miami 31 to 20. I'll take Miami 24 to 23. I think this kind of comes down to the wire. I think I think in the game itself, I think it takes some time for for the like we see a slow start from the Dolphins, but I think they finish the job and I I, I think they get the job done. Uh, 24, 23. AJ has the. Dylan has the Dolphins over the Patriots. AJ has the Dolphins over the Patriots as well. 27, 20 is AJ's prediction. The next game on our list is the Indianapolis or the Baltimore Ravens traveling to New York to take on the New York Jets. This was a game that we will see Mr. Joe Flacco suit up in a. Revenge game. <laughs> Revenge game for Joe Flacco against the Baltimore Ravens. It's the Jets. It's the Ravens. Aaron, what do you uh what do you see what do you see this offense looking like under Joe Flacco? You're on mute, homie. Uh, not no. very dynamic. Um not dynamic enough. I think that he'll be okay. He won't, he shouldn't kill them, but without Zach Wilson, I, I think they lose out on some of that, those dynamic playmaking abilities, getting in and out of the pocket and running and things like that. Uh, but I think they'll be okay. I, I, I mean, they're going to struggle because it's Baltimore's defense. Like it didn't matter if this was the jets or somebody else, you know, I have Baltimore as my number three power rank team in the NFL and yeah. uh, maybe number two. I don't know. I think I no number three, I think. Um, yeah. But I, I think they'll struggle in this one, but I'm excited about the Jets. And it's hard to say that because I know these weeks, these first nine weeks, they have a brutal schedule. And I'm probably going to say the same thing over and over and over again. I'm excited, but they're going to lose. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they are. Or the, or the Jets oh. team. No idea what you just said. I, I just said, I'm not excited. I'm just saying gotcha. I'm excited, but I'm not, I'm not expecting wins. Gotcha. And as we're, as we're recording this and going live, as we are live with this, I should say the, uh, the Dwayne Brown uh, has been ruled out for the New York Jets in this game with a shoulder injury. Um, they think that things not, people are saying it's not going to be good for Joe Flacco, not going to be good for Brees Hall, not going to be good for Michael Carter. Um Overall, this isn't going to be good for the New York Jets. Uh, with or without Dwayne Brown, this, going to be a tough, this would be a tough game for the Jets. But on the Baltimore side of things, lots of returning faces. Lamar Jackson, Marcus Peters, lots of returning faces. Maybe a J.K. Dobbins if he plays in this game. Um, 
Lots of, lots of players coming back from injury from last season. What player are you most excited to see return in this game? Um, I, I hope to. I hope that's J.K. Dobbins. Um, I hope, but I know he might not play. But that would be the guy that I'm most excited about because I think we still have some unanswered questions. I think we think the talent and we believe in the talent um, based on that first year, but obviously getting hurt early in uh, preseason last year, kind of now we're like, ah, oh, he's kind of damaged goods. Like, do we, we don't trust him or we're not sure about him. So I would like to see him back on the field. Uh, it, it's so weird how some of these guys, and I know every injury is different, but you got guys that could tear their ACL week 10 and they're ready to go by the, the start of the season. And you can have a guy that tears his ACL in preseason. And now it's a whole year out and they're not ready to go. So uh, yep. I don't, I don't want to attribute to work ethic or, or the rehab process and are you doing enough? But I, I do find that very interesting. And I'm always excited for the guys that are able to get back quick because I want to see them play. But it's also something to be said about taking your time and make sure you're, you're fully recovered, not just physically, but mentally. And I think that's the most important part. People often talk about the injuries being physical, like, oh, now we can make cuts. Now It's not about that. These guys are top level athletes that move at high rates of speed. If they do not trust their bodies, to make those movements, they're not going to be efficient. And I'm sorry. I know we talked about this earlier on the show. Cam Akers looks like a shell of himself. Oh, he does I, not oh, look man, explosive. I got, and and I, I, and I worry that he came back too quickly. Like, he doesn't trust it, and he's not explosive. And I'm sorry. I know the Achilles injuries have been bad, and it's hard to come back from. But I think by rushing him back, and I said this last year, I it could hurt him mentally. And mentally is not a, like, oh, my God, I'm soft. I can't do it. It's... I'm I'm still in my mind thinking if I take this step or if I do this, my knee is going to give out. My Achilles is going to give out. And that is something that you can't just shake. Like you have to be 100% confident in your ability to move. And I don't see that from him. So I worry about players like that. I hope J.K. Dobbins says, you know what? I'm not stepping on that field until I'm 100% ready to go. And I feel like I can move the way I moved before from a mental perspective, not just what my body's doing. And um that, that's where I'm at, but I'm most excited to see him. Sorry, I went on that little soliloquy. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. There's one other. There's one little player. Little player. There's one player I do want to kind of just touch on before we move on to our predictions. It's Lamar Jackson. He obviously set the contract deadline for Friday. If he does not have a deal, he will cut off negotiations. Um, we're not. We're not worried at all that Lamar Jackson's not going to play in this game, right? There's no concern about that, or what do you think? Wait, what? No, he Lamar never said Jackson. he's not playing. He I never I'm, said he's not playing. I'm, he just said he I'm doesn't just, want to negotiate it during during the season. Yes. So there will be no in season negotiations because he wants to focus on playing football. Uh, no, he's not holding out. Okay, good. I just want I just wanted to just clarify this more so because oh I picked God. up Tyler Huntley this week just because. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, "What is wrong with you?" I was just a little concerned. Okay, and we have a very deep league. Okay, we have a very deep league, so I'm like, okay, I I can afford to pick up Tyler Huntley and even stash should, him on my should, bench for a little bit because of like, just that comment know that. should make you feel like crap because Why? you're saying the same thing that you're you're questioning possibly the same thing that Bailey is saying. And if you're anyone on any wavelength with Bailey, you're wrong. Well, I don't think I don't think Lamar Jackson holds out. But the fact that you brought up the question and you picked up Tyler Huntley, there's a sliver I, of something in you that says I there's am, a possibility. That's just how great of a host I am because I have to ask these questions. Whether I believe it or not, I have to ask what's, these what's questions. What's that got to do okay. with you picking up Tyler Huntley in fantasy? It, it's not just because of, it's not just because of him holding out. 
Lamar Jackson could easily get hurt again, and I have I'm, his back. I have who in the hell drafts backup handcuff quarterback? Name one fantasy I player. Him. I didn't name draft one, him. Name one I fantasy player that him. picks up a handcuff quarterback. Me. In a, in a 50. <laughs> My point when exactly. we have 500 damn roster spots in this league, I it's do. 20. Okay? It's 20. There's a lot of damn. Uh, 12, 20 roster spots in a 12 team league. Yeah. I'm going to pick up. I'm going to pick up the backup quarterback to my guy. And really, I'm not going to lie. I, I did do it because of the concern, the slight concern of maybe there's a su- slim chance that he doesn't play. See, just and be honest with, our, with us. Don't lie to the but people. Don't lie to, both. Hey, don't lie to the population both. of the city. I don't care if it's both. Hey. I said there's part of you that is doing it because you're worried. Don't lie to the people you of are, the city. Otherwise, people are going to take are their, correct. their bags and leave. And you are correct. Give me the Ravens here, 35 to 17. Um, I think it's a blowout. I will take the Baltimore Ravens 40 to 20. Okay. No, you know what? That's too much respect for the Jets. 40 to 13. Yeah, I I had I had yeah, I thought I was going just trying to bury the Jets there, but you you continued piling it on. Uh AJ has the Ravens 27 to 17. And Dylan has the Ravens over the Jets. He didn't give me scores. Yeah, there you go. Jabari. All right, next game on the list. It's the Indianapolis Colts traveling to Houston to take on the Texans, an AFC South division bad uh, matchup here. The over-under is 45 and a half points. Aaron, I'm going to start with this. The Colts obviously brought in Matt Ryan, brand-new quarterback. Offense should be looking different in this game what do you expect to see from this new look Colts offense I expect them to open it up a little bit more with the trust that Matt Ryan um, is better than Carson Wentz and I think we all agree that I think we're talking about a Hall of Fame quarterback arguably Um, I think Matt Ryan comes out and sets sets a tone against a a young Houston team Um, it wouldn't shock me if there was an upset but I do think Matt Ryan plays well in this one and I think the connection between him and Michael Pittman will be nice I think Jonathan Taylor will have a nice day on the ground because Houston is so young. Um, but this is uh, the Colts are a funny team. Because I don't know that based on last year not making the playoffs, but I think they're a solid team. And I think that they'll kind of coast through the regular season, win some games, lose a couple they probably shouldn't, win some they shouldn't, and just kind of coast into that division title because that division's not very strong. Last season, the Indianapolis Colts outscored the Houston Texans 62-3. to 62-3 last season. On the defensive side for Houston, do we see change? We see a better performance from, from them, not allowing so many points, and maybe their offense scoring a little bit more? I think you see improvement. Again, I don't like to translate exactly what improvement equates to on a scoreboard. I think that's kind of, a, kind of unfair. Um, but I do think you see improvement in certain key areas. I don't think they're as bad against the run as they are last year. I don't think they're, you know, I think they'll be able to cover a little bit better. I think they're going to be more rejuvenated and energized from a, um, you know, a Jalen Petrie, right? Young guy who's coming in and kind of taking that leadership role. Derek Stingley's there. I think some young guys bringing some energy will help them. And then Lovey Smith is obviously a defensive coach. So I think they play better, but that doesn't necessarily mean the score or the outcome of the game is, is any different. Uh, but I, I do like Houston, man. I, I like what they're doing. Um, I, I don't fully believe in Davis Mills, but I think he's very Mac Jones-esque. I do. 
I think he can yeah, be Mac Jones. I, I really do think he can be a starter in this league at, you know, the 20 to 32 starting quarterbacks somewhere along those lines. But um, he, he, he's he got to cut down to me on some of the, the ill-advised throws. But I like the fact that he takes chances being a young guy that maybe wasn't supposed to make it anyways. And I really worry about the weapons they have on the outside. You get Brandon Cooks, but Nico Collins is going to be big for him. They have to have somebody else step up. And I think Nico Collins and now Tyler Johnson being there could help that. And then maybe you get a Brevin Jordan, um, get get him going this year, and maybe that offense can put up a little bit more points. Yeah, and look, turning our attention to the running backs uh, in this game, two running backs, one that is the best in the league in Jonathan Taylor, and one that we all have very high hopes for in Damian Pierce for the Texans, the rookie running back out of Florida. Uh, starting with Jonathan Taylor on the Colts' side, Last year, Jonathan Taylor absolutely scorched the Texans. And almost I wonder if it's like a game script thing. And that's kind of where I'm going with the question. Last year, he had 14 carries, 145 yards, and two touchdowns in the first game. 32 carries, 143 yards, and two touchdowns in the second game. So quite a lot of carries for Jonathan Taylor against the Texans. Do you think that this game... We talk, I talked to first about the, like, what do you expect to see from the Colts offense? You said, open it up. Do you think this game maybe not might not go into that direction because of game script and then just continue to work Jonathan Taylor like they did last season? Oh, I think you can open it up. I'm, I'm looking for them to open it up early. So if you open it up and then you go up 20, you know, 21, nothing. And then at the end of the day, you look at Jonathan Taylor has 25 carries and Matt Ryan only threw the ball 25 times. Like, People might look at that box score and say, oh, they didn't just do the same thing they did last year. But that's not how I watch football. It's not how I evaluate football. In the first half, if Jonathan Taylor has eight carries and Matt Ryan throwing the ball 22 times and only the second half he's only throwing it a couple, then they opened it up. And I think that's what we see here. I, I don't think it's going to be unbalanced. I just think it would be more balanced than it was last year. I don't think you're going to see Jonathan Taylor with 35 carry games this year. Um, I, tr- I truly don't. I, I think if they're up that much, I think you mix in some other guys because you want to make sure that he's healthy. At the end of the day, Jonathan Taylor cannot carry the workload of 400 touches every single year. Nobody can. Nobody can. Touches go down usually each year for a player. I don't expect him to touch the ball that many times this year, uh, as many as last year. He'll get the ball plenty, but not as many as last year. And I, I, I think that Matt Ryan is there for that reason, to throw the ball a little bit more, get up on teams, and then allow Jonathan Taylor to bruise you and batter you and then get his get his work. So, um, early open it up. Obviously, if it's a blowout, yeah, they're going to run the ball in the second half. Okay. And on the Texan side, you know, your boy Damian Pierce, what do you think his stat line is in week one? Tough matchup. Lovey Smith had an interesting take when he said he's earned the right to be out there with the starters. <laughs> exactly. Even, even Layla loves Damian Pierce. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, but then you have you have to worry about his third down usage. Uh, Rex Burkhead is probably going to be the passing down back. I expect Damian Pierce probably to get anywhere between 17 to 20 touches in this game um, from a rushing perspective. So I don't know how many catches he'll get or how many targets. I'm not sure how they'll use him on third downs. But I do think that he'll get up there anywhere from, I should say, 15 to 20 because if they're getting blown out, he might find himself game scripted out of the game. Um, But I do think he is the guy. I don't think it's particularly close. I think it was made clear when they cut Marlon Mack. Rex Burkhead is not an every down running back. We know that. And uh, I think Damian Pierce has earned his job and I think he'll be good this year. I think he's, he's solid. 
the Colts have lost uh, eight straight season openers. Uh, that is the le- the active streak for season opening losing streaks. Uh, and actually, it's third or uh, yeah, third right now um, all time. So, give me the Colts here to break that streak, twenty seven to twenty one. Col- I think the Col- I think the Texans keep it interesting like we've said before i think the texans are a team that'll make wins hard for other teams and but they still don't find they don't they can't win this game 20 it's 27 21 uh colts i think i had houston upsetting the colts here um when we did our you know each game by game or whatever um dylan has the colts here i'm going to take the colts as well i think the colts win 31 to i'll say 31 to 23 We've got breaking news before we move on to our next team. Uh, Lamar Jackson will not be getting a contract, uh, according to Tom Pelissero and a statement from Eric DaCosta. Uh, quote, despite best efforts on both sides, we were unable to reach a contract extension with Lamar Jackson. We greatly appreciate how he has handled this process, and we are excited about our team with Lamar leading the way. We will continue to work towards a long-term contract after the season, but for now we are looking forward to a successful 2022 campaign. Oh, thanks Bailey for the breaking news, but we take care of here. Um, Bailey, 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 in five minutes, your take was just crushed because if Lamar Jackson was holding out, he would have said he's not playing. That too. And also I I do really want to emphasize this, just this note here um, that, from Eric DaCosta saying, we greatly appreciate how he has handled the process and we're excited about our team with Lamar leading the way. I, Lamar Jackson is growing to be one of my favorite players in this league. Like even in fan, that's why I'm emotionally tied to him. And that's why I drafted him first <laughs> and then drafted Mark Andrews in the third. I'm starting to become more and more emotionally tied to Lamar oh Jackson God. because of just how he's handling this entire situation. Like aside from like the joke about me being emotionally no, tied what, to man. him. Like, it, it's, I am... I, push aside the emotions. The, the way Lamar Jackson is handling Did you this, draft Dak Prescott two years ago? I'll keep bringing this shit up. Lamar Jackson's I not the first him. person to do this. No, I'm not. I, no, I'm not. I don't care you keep, about that. You keep talking about it like he's doing something special. All he's doing is negotiating his deal. In, in this day and age, when people and players are just, just holding I have teams a problem. ransom for money... I have a problem with being like when teams, when we do this and we ridicule others and we pick out and choose when it's okay to go for your money. Well, we didn't have the show when Dak Prescott was doing that. So, okay. So I'm here to say, and actually I do know we did have a show at that point when Dak Prescott was like going through yeah, his contract. But you weren't, you weren't over there sopping about I was. it. I want to give him I a was. hug and I love him I so was. much. He's my favorite player of all I, time now. And I said that I said I was hyped about, I liked the way Dak Prescott was handling it. I liked the way uh, Lamar Jackson has, has handled it. Uh, Adam Schefter reports Lamar that um, he said he turned down the deal. He'll now make $23 million um, this season and expected and is expected to be franchise tagged after this season. So yeah, so they can do it, make make sure they, so they can make it happen. Deal. Yeah, this Lamar is exactly is how be... the Dak Prescott deal played out. This is exactly how it played out. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. And he'll get his 50 million a year. There yeah, tell go. him, Layla. Let no, honestly, what's I pull the curtain back? So I'm in my apartment complex is like fairly new, and like all the buildings and apartments next to me are getting like red, like 
are still in the process of being built and like they have these like cleaning people here and we're here i hear mariachi music next door and Layla is just losing her shit to Mariachi. You're just telling me you can't keep your kid in line. I understand. That is correct. Not without my wife here, and she is not here, and that's exactly what happens. Uh, let's move on, though, to our next game. I wish that breaking news would have happened when we were covering the, the Ravens and the Jets, but it no, was, that was not. Great. It was one game short. Um, but next game on our list, it's the New York Giants traveling to Tennessee to take on the Titans. The over-under in this game is 43.5 points. Aaron, what player has the most to prove early in this season? I mean, we talked about Traylon Burks, talked about like Ryan Tannehill, Saquon, all those guys. Which player has the most to prove early on in the season? Well, it's easy. It's Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is on the, he's on his way out. He's on the final chance of, of his, probably of his life as a starting quarterback. Cause I don't know who would give him another chance to start maybe as a backup somewhere, but it's Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones has to come out and play well this year and prove to them that they could trust him to at least transition him um, for another year to say, Hey, you know what? We'll give you a short-term deal or something that we believe your growth is enough to say, maybe we can build something with Brian Dable. This is it for Daniel Jones or even latch onto a different team. Uh, we could argue Ryan Tannehill, but Ryan Tannehill has a big contract. He ain't going nowhere this year. Even if he does, he's paid. What does he got to prove? Like he's had good seasons in the past. He's had some bad seasons in the past. I think Ryan Tannehill, we know what he is. He's eight, eight years in uh, nine years in. So you talk about Traylon Burks. He's a rookie. I don't really like to put those expectations on rookies, even though everybody wants to call him AJ Brown 2.0. He's not, but he's going to have to obviously prove he can be that. But I think the most pressure is on Daniel Jones uh, just because of the position he plays uh, and, and what's at stake for the giants. You could argue Saquon, but he's a running back. Nobody cares. Like at the end of the day, we, we talk about Saquon as being one of the best and dang, we would love to see it. But if Saquon disappears into the abyss and has a bad season this year, and it's not on the Giants next year. Like nobody at the end of the day is going to look back and be like, oh my God, that Saquon Barkley guy. Like it's he doesn't play quarterback. So nobody cares. Yeah, that's fair. And I, that's actually where I wanted to go next is with these two running backs. Obviously, Saquon Barkley, a uh, very well known running back, very good running back when healthy. Derrick Henry has been healthy most of his career, except for last season, um, getting injured, missing a good chunk of time both returning from injury, which running back do you think has the better game on Sunday? It might surprise you. How'd you know I was going to say Saquon Barkley? Well, some That's... surprises actually, this is actually B-roll for both Saquon Barkley oh, and Derek. Okay, good. I didn't producer, know where you were going. Because he didn't know where I was going. It was okay. That truck stick. It's to me, it's uh, Saquon because of the versatility week one healthy out of the backfield. One of the better receivers in the league. And he has the explosiveness to take it to the house. Derrick Henry is a feed me type of running back, which means you have to give him usually 20 plus carries, 25 carries, and he gets going. And then he has those big long runs like that. I don't particularly care for running backs like that. I, it's great when you can bruise a defense and then wear them out and then get that big one. But there are too many games where I'm going to see 18 for, for 46 or, you know what I mean? Like, and again, I'm, I don't know this, it sounds like I'm bashing him, but the man ran for 2,000 yards and all this stuff. Yeah, no but one's I no like, one's discrediting his. Yeah. his, his no, yeah. he's coming off the injury, and I like the fact that I want a guy that's going to give me four and a half, five, five and a half, six. I'd rather have that than a guy that gets me two, 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 25, two, 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 25. Like I don't, I don't really like that style of running back. I feel like it's more impactful in a game if you can just four, five, four, six eight, 10, and then you can also hit the home run. So that's my personal preference 
uh, but they're both great running backs and both probably will have really good days. Anything Saquon has the better day? I do. From a statistical perspective, I, I do. Um, I think that Saquon is just more versatile. Derrick Henry is not going to be used out of the passing game. And despite what people think, I know Tennessee plays ahead a lot, but I think the Giants, you have to wait for my score. I think the Giants have a chance in this game. And I think Saquon is going to be heavily used, especially with the injuries coming back from the wide receivers. Kenny Galladay hasn't been playing very well. Uh, I think he's going to be used a lot. So give me Saquon. Yeah, the uh, we talked about the Colts just be- just before um, and talked about how they had the longest active week one losing streak. The Giants are actually right behind them with five straight week one losses. Uh, you take the Giants in this game. What's your score? Well, actually, I said I'm thinking about taking the Giants. Um, oh. On the road is tough, but I am going to take the Giants. I-, I told Tennessee fans I'm not excited about this team. I-, I think the Giants week one healthy can go on the road and get this win. I'm giving Brian Dable some respect here. I'll take the Giants 24-21. I went on record many of times thinking that the Tennessee Titans were um I I I, I have the Tennessee I have the ten, yeah, I have the Tennessee Titans going uh, I believe 6 and 11 I think is what I had uh the, their record and in my predictions I had them winning this game and I will stick with that. I will take the Tennessee Titans here 21 21- 17 aj is going with the titans as well 23 to 17 i think i think at the end of the day we're still going we're going to see some growing with the giants and this brian dable team like it's not a discredit to them by any means and it's not a credit to tennessee by any means i should say um but i do think that they're still growing there and mike vrabel I think it's more this season with the Tennessee Titans losing games against good teams and they still beat the bad teams because they're still that good. Um, and then this game, it's one of those situations where they, they take down the New York Giants. Dylan also has the Titans over the Jets. There you have it. Last game on the schedule for us to preview. It's the, it's the Las Vegas Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers, the Chargers are three-point favorites over the Raiders with an over-under, the second-highest over-under this week uh, with 52 total points in this game. Last year, we saw quite the battle between these two teams, uh, a battle to get into the playoffs, and the Las Vegas Raiders ended up winning this with the rushing attack being a big factor in this game. Lots of impact players were added to both these teams in the offseason with Devontae Adams, going to the Raiders. You got Cleo Mack going to the Chargers. Lots of big additions to both teams. Aaron, what impact player will make the biggest difference first, at least in this game? What, new player or just player? <sighs> I'm going to go with a, a player in general because I, I feel like I feel like both these teams have tons of impact players, e- including the new guys. So maybe it's a new guy. Maybe it's not well, it's a easy new guy. Me. I'll let you have some it's- free range. It's easy for me. The more things change, the more things stay the same. And it, it, for me, it's a, it's about the Chargers defense, and it has been about the Chargers defense. And the one thing that I'm looking at is my guy. You got you know where I'm going with this. I'm going with my dog. I'm going with my my dog, Josh Jacobs, is the difference maker in this game because the Chargers could not stop the run when it mattered most. And guess who was running the ball when it mattered most on them? It was, it was that guy right there. It was Josh Jacobs. So I don't – Again, the more things change, bring in this guy, bring in that guy, 
I watched preseason. It looked the same. So I need to be proven wrong. I need the Chargers to prove me that they can stop the run. And right now, I think the Raiders are going to be committed to the run. I think all the talk about Josh Jacobs, yeah, he's on his way out and all that. Maybe. But this year, Josh Jacobs is the only back that you can really trust in that in that backfield. Zamir White's a nice rookie, nice player. But do you trust him? They go and they get rid of Kenyon Drake. So obviously you didn't trust him. So where does that leave? That leaves Josh Jacobs, the veteran that's been consistent year in and year out. I think it happens there. And I'm not saying he's going to like. Bailey's talking. Mm, mm. I knew where you were going too. I knew where you were going. That's why I pulled the comment up at least because I was like, okay, he's going towards that route. I'm getting this. Okay, go ahead. Like, like earlier I saw, I saw in the comments, he talked about two, uh, three over under 350 yards. Like that's just an absurd over under for a quarterback. Like if he throws 348, are we saying it was bad? No. So stop putting such high bars for NFL players. 150 yards is not just dominate that that's player of the week that's 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 like he destroyed them i'm not saying that i think the x factor is him key situations third and short um when you got second and 14 is he now taking it to third and three or you know plays like that impact Uh, when you watch a football game the the regular fan watches how many yards first down what's the score i'm watching for key plays and key moments third and long, second and longs, first and 10. Are you getting six yards or are you only getting two? Those plays are impact plays that create so much for an offense. And I'm sorry, if you get the Raiders in third and short with Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller, good luck. You got one of the best slot wide receivers in running routes, one of the best tight ends in finding holes in the zone. And there's nobody on this planet that can stop Devontae Adams one-on-one or a zone. So good luck. So I think he's the X factor. I think if he plays well, the Raiders win. If the Chargers come out and prove that their defense is better and they can shut down Josh Jacobs and the running game, the Chargers will win this game. And I think they would win this game easily if that happens. With the over-under being 52 points, do you expect – are you expecting like – obviously the odds makers are expecting this game to be a shootout. Do you see this being a shootout? I mean, you're the king apparently of predicting uh, blowouts nowadays after your (laughs) great Thursday night football start. Um, are we expecting a shootout here, or do you think these new and improved defenses kind of lock it down and we hit the under? The, the AFC West is going to score a lot of points, despite the defenses, even if they're good. Um, I think this game goes over. I told you this was my highest-rated fantasy game. I think there's a ton of points scored, and it's not a knock, really. I know I just talked about the Chargers. It's not a knock to the Chargers defense or the Raiders defense. These offenses are going to be really, really good. So I expect even when the defense is able to make plays, guess what that's going to do? That defense is going to make a play, and it puts Justin Herbert on the field. That defense on the Raiders is going to make a play. It puts Derek Carr and Devontae Adams on the field. So, yes, they can make plays, but I still think there's enough scoring there. Um, I don't think it's a very defensive game overall, but I do think that there will be some key defensive plays, and whoever makes those plays will probably pull this one out. Um, Like I said, the only way this is not close would be if the Chargers blow out the Raiders because they stopped the run and force the Raiders to do something that they don't really want to do. Um, and, and that's my honest belief in, in this game. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it's it's fair to, to consider that. A name to watch out for uh, to see if he's in the lineup or not is J.C. Jackson. As of our recording of our show, um, he's out. it looks like he's not. Is he out? Yeah. Aaron's okay, oh, okay, I see. Da- 
Yeah, yeah. That I I do see sources tell me Chargers corner J.C. Jackson is not expected to play uh, week one. Um, so that's a big loss for this Chargers defense. Um, man, this is this is a good. This is going to be a great game. This is as 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 uh, cliche as that may sound. This is going to be a great game. Uh, I want to bring up the stat here. Um, Derek Carr as the underdog since 2014 uh, leads the NFL in underdog wins. Uh, since 2014 with 31, 31 wins. So, like they're the such dog here. Stu- such a stupid stat. Hey, there's my useless stat of the day. The, the um, reason it's stupid is because they're, they're, when they're a bad team, they're usually the underdog. So any wins they get goes. That's, <laughs> That's fair. That's fair enough. Uh, I will take the Chargers here, though. I will say it is 33 to 27 Chargers. Close to what I have. I have 31, 27 Chargers, and I'm strictly giving the Chargers the win because they're at home. Um, yep. And I know I'm, I've put a lot of what if this, what a lot of caveats, but I truly do believe that they stop the run, they will blow out the Raiders, in my opinion. If the Raiders are able to run the football really well, the game's going to be close, and it could come down to the end. I'm just leaning a little bit more towards the home team here, um, although they're not that far apart. It's, it's tough for me, but I'm gonna I'm gonna give the Chargers the benefit of the doubt. This might be the one time that I give them the yep. benefit of the doubt, Week One, because if they lose this game and they give up a lot. Oh, I'm coming back Monday and I am, <laughs> I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm going to let AJ specifically, I'm going to let AJ have it. Well, AJ, AJ, actually, AJ has the Raiders winning this game 30 to 21. He That's doesn't a, know what he's, he doesn't know what he wants. Man. He's so inconsistent. <laughs> he's so inconsistent. He talked about the whole Chargers defense going to be one of the best. And all of a sudden now they're giving up 30 and losing week one at home. But come on, man. <laughs> AJ back on this show. I got anyways. Um Dylan has the Chargers over the Raiders as well. There you have it. That does it for our week one previews and predictions. If you missed any of our game previews, um, we have them available on our YouTube page at Sac City Pod. We will have them on our YouTube page uh at Sac City Pod. So keep an eye on that. And if you want to go back and, and listen and watch and all that kind of stuff, you can always tune into us on all podcasting platforms at the Sac City Pod. Last but most certainly not least, follow us on all of our social media pages at the Sac City Pod on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and the Tickety Talk. We will be back again on Sunday morning for our first edition. We never, we never named it. Can can we, can we name the Sunday show? Like, what are we, what are we gonna name it? Uh, are we gonna go with pigskins and pancakes, or are we gonna go different route? I love the pigskins and pancakes is always a classic, so I don't know if I want to get rid of that. Um, but I think it's that it'll be a war. You know what? Let's 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 leave leave it up to our fan Bailey. Do you think we should have a pigskin and pancakes or or not? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, who's in the chat? Just Bailey's left in the chat. Okay, there's two, there is two people in the chat. They just left, they just just said, said, this shit, I'm out. Uh, Bailey's still in the chat though. Um, but we will name Bailey. Ba- Bailey will have to be on one of our pigskins and pancakes. Shows. We will announce. How about this? Promise. We will brainstorm and we will announce the, the name of our new fantasy show, whether it's the same name as last year. And we, we will announce that tomorrow, Saturday. Yeah. We will have an announcement on social media. What our new, what our new show is. Whether All it's right. The there you have it. You heard Vinny. You well, heard Vinny will you. announce it, but <laughs> You heard it from the Muxiah himself. We will have an announcement, I guess, tomorrow regarding our name of our new fantasy show on at 11 a.m. Eastern time right here on YouTube, giving you all the fantasy advice you need to win your matchups on Sunday. Uh, Aaron, it's been fun. It's been great. 
I'm excited for football season to be back. Um, Week one, baby. Real quick, real, real quick, what game are you looking forward to most? I mean, outside of my own, outside of the Dallas. Well, Cowboys, I, I mean, it could be, it could be your own. That's fine. I, 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 I mean, that's my I, game. I'm, I'm, a, that's I'm a Cowboys fan, so if I were you, I'd be rooting for the Jaguars. But yeah, honestly, um, it's it's the Raiders Chargers. As, as crazy as it sounds, it's the Raiders Chargers. But I'm excited for all the games because this is where all my predict. You know me, I'm big on predictions, and I want to know if I if I'm in the right direction or if I'm just completely wrong about players, like. I like information, and I think when you start to have real football, like I learned a lot from that game last night. Sunday, I'm going to learn a lot from those teams, and um, it's going to kind of rewire how I'm thinking about these players and teams going forward. So I love that. I'm, I'm, I can watch them all, man. Red Zone Channel. That's up. the that's the that's the route I'm going with. Uh, kind of with. Uh, I'm excited. Other than the Jags games, I'm excited to see the Chiefs play, and I'm excited to see the Packers play because I want answers on what their wide receiver group is. Gonna <laughs> You're look not going like. to get them. Um, I know, I know I'm not, but I want to watch. I want to see how it looks. I want to go from there and, and talk about that. Um, we'll be back again, 11 a.m. Eastern Time Fantasy Talk on Sunday. And our recap shows begin on Monday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time right here at the Sac City Pod on YouTube. For my best friend, Aaron Mukes, I am me. We will see you Sunday. No way. No way. No way. He froze during the July. How you freeze around the Peace out. That's what we call a sack lunch. Nom, 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 nom. Thanks for listening to the Sac City Podcast. You made it this far, so you must have liked that show. If you did, go ahead and think of two people you can share this episode with. We can never have too many people in the city. So don't forget to hit that follow button. Sac City. Population. One more.